You're listening to Cross the Line 1524, the common man's podcast. But I came here for just one drink. It's Cross the Line 1524. Join us at the Rusted Nail Speakeasy with a glass of bourbon, table 12, as the guys sit around and discuss distilleries, common day events, or whatever comes to the bar top. That's right. Cross the line, 1524. So welcome to Cross the Line, 1524. I'm Alan Stanger with... Dwayne Bischoff. Jeff Montag. Scotty Bourbon. And we are down in Metamore, Indiana. We have a special guest. Our special guest is... Kathy Tappy. So Kathy... Tell everybody what you do down here. I know you do. Oh, I do a lot of things things, down here, but right now we're talking about the haunted and historic tour of Metamora, and uh, what I do is research every winter, finding new stories about our wonderful little town, and uh, share them with people each year. We have a lot of unusual experiences around here, but that's not really all that unusual considering it's 140 or 184 years of a transportation town. Oh, wow. So... uh, we have everything from cowboy and Indian stories all the way through to auto accidents and, and murders. Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Learn something new there right there. So tell us a little bit so our listeners know a little bit about the tours that you do here for folks. Okay, well, the tours we do here run from June through the end of October during Halloween. After that, it's a little chilly, so we do private investigations or we can arrange private tours, but those are the main times the tours are running. Uh, we, we tell you about Metamore's history, some of the buildings, and some of the horrific accidents that have happened here over the last 184 years. We have, uh, let's see, we have Peter Pelsner, who is a telegraph operator here in town. He, uh, caught his father-in-law walking his soon-to-be ex-wife to the train station to meet her lover and shot him dead in the depot doorway. We have... Um, oh, wow. We well, have I got chills running down my spine now. So where was the depot exactly? The depot at that time was over the canal. It was actually built over the canal. Oh, wow. The canal wasn't being used. And then we tell you stories about people like Richard Offland. Off- I believe I've pronounced that right. Or no, Charles Biddle. That's what I was thinking of. Charles Biddle, who came into town on the 330 train from uh, Cincinnati and came here looking for his estranged wife. And when he found her, they seemed to be getting along okay, so the uncle left them alone for the night, and he was woke up by four at 4 a.m. by a gunshot. Biddle had murdered her, come back into Metamore and made the barber change his appearance so he could get out on the... 9.30 train that night. Oh, wow. He, he didn't get much past Brookfield before they caught him. Oh, boy. <laughs> Learn something new every day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when did, when, I guess, so you're talking about Cowboys and Indians, so that was the, I guess, that's be the first Those are the first settlers coming through here, here yeah, people traveling um, through here. Metamore started off as a trading post, and then they realized they needed a good way to transport, and the canal was the answer they all came up with. At that time, this area actually had the largest population of anywhere in Indiana. Oh, wow. So in 1840, or in 1838, when David Mount William Holland filed the first land uh, 
plot here, it was actually because they knew that they were going to do all this construction on the canal. It was time to start buying up property. And within a very short period of time, we had four of the biggest men's clubs at the time, all here in Matamora, building their own big... Now, where, now where are those at? Well, we're Just in the me. Odd Fellows Lodge. <laughs> this was also the home of the Knights of the Fithias. And... Uh, then next door, we had the Masonic Lodge uh, over where Granny's Ice Cream is, the big stone building on the corner. That was the Red Men's Lodge. And then the Masons moved out of here somewhere in the 1870s, I believe, and built the Masonic Lodge down here. So of those first, of those first lodges, how many are left other than where Granny's is now? Are the well, other ones actually, still left? Well, actually, the Mason's Lodge is still there. This is the building that housed the Odd Fellows and the Knights of the Fithias, and the Red Men's Lodge is right over there on the corner. So they were built well, and they were built with money. There was oh, a wow. lot of money here at that time. Yeah, so I'm a Mason, so <coughs> it, it, that lodge you built is pretty neat. It's... Uh, not to go into a lot of detail, but it's upstairs. Have you ever been up there? No. The stairwell um, going up there is crazy. My husband's been up there... Uh, yeah. I, I never really asked. Just never really felt the need. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's cool. I mean, it's an old building. It's got some uh, building issues as old, old buildings <laughs> do. But going up the back stairwell to the lodge meeting room is just pretty cool. Yeah, uh, pretty cool. So, how long have you been doing the uh, the, the tours? tours? This is um, our fifth year, I believe. Now, w were there tours before you guys? Were doing yes, the tours? a few years prior to me, there was another woman who was doing tours here in town. In fact. Uh, it was Robin's mom, and she helped us get started, and she was really encouraging. Uh, it, it was nice. It, there's a large number of people here in Metamore that really love the history and love sharing the history. And yeah, we're, we're kind of all history. Folks that listen to us regularly, we, we, get, we dig history. Uh -huh. So uh, we know there's tons of history here and a lot that we don't know. And we, we've learned a few we've things learned, already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. so, so did you grow up in this area? No. Or I was born in uh, on, uh, Lake Superior, Oh, really? and then I moved to Florida with my parents and lived on the Gulf until I was quite a bit older. I, w I was a professional artist in Sarasota for 25 years before I met a sweet little hillbilly who moved me here. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the guy's fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, we bought a house here a few years after we moved here, and I slowly fell in love with this town. This town has a way of capturing you and making you want to take care of it. So we're going to talk about a couple of your other businesses here, but for folks listening, so next weekend is the last weekend for the ghost tours. Yes, it is. Let everybody know what time and how to get reservations. Okay, you can get reservations by texting 513-519-7746. Our web page is at a one of a kind dot shop, and it has links to all of our different businesses uh, except the lodge, which is our newest. Um, really, that's the easiest way to get a hold of us. We also, like I said, we'll do private tours if they get a group together of five or six people. So I can tell my tour guides, yeah, go ahead out see if someone's available. I also do private investigations all year round, so I have groups that come in. Uh, I believe we have a group coming in again next weekend that I actually take into the buildings, and I don't tell them the stories. I let them tell me what they find, then I tell them the stories. Cool, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Pretty I've, I've taken your tour and it's really good. Uh, oh, it's fun! I, I remember ahead of time I downloaded one of those ghost apps. And uh -huh. I thought it was kind of silly, you know, but, but uh, it actually. You were telling some of your stories, and I, I just felt I got goosebumps, and I, I felt like there was something around, and that thing started going off. I uh -huh. thought there was a ghost, and 
and uh, I remember one. You were, I, I said there was a child a ghost, and and I and it was hiding behind a tree right next uh-huh. to the canal. And then you, right after that, said, "Well, by the way, there's something that's <laughs> happened right in this area. We're not sure exactly where, but yes. I'm not going to say what it is because I let people yeah. come to the tour. To yeah, come out. to the tour <laughs> to find out. But that was really. I, I got goosebumps right now thinking, yeah. thinking about it. But that thing went off, and, and right in that area, it was really... It was kind of neat. When I started doing the tours, we had a gift shop for a few years. People kept coming in and saying, why doesn't anybody do history tours here? Why doesn't anybody do ghost tours? And they got to me one year after everything closed down about February. I got bit by the bug, and I dug into the history, and it wasn't just me, because when I got done, I, I'm not good at typing, so I had notebooks full, and as people were transcribing it into the uh, into the laptop, and that they were going, look how your handwriting keeps changing, and I do not believe I was alone, just like I don't believe I'm alone on the tours. Uh, we actually do spirit sessions at the end, where we get responses on flashlights and that, and mm-hmm. ask questions. Um, I do believe the spirits here in Medham were like us telling our history, and that's why they let us know we're here. Good deal. So we, we have a little experience with spirits, so <laughs> we won't go into detail, but we, we record our podcast at Speakeasy. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a pre-Civil War house that uh, actually I own, me and my wife, and part of it has an old flat-laid rock basement, and we have all, all kind of uh, strange <laughs> things that happen there. We, we had an investigation there several years ago and it was pretty uh, eye-opening. We have lights that'll go on and off and cat balls, cat balls that just oh, yeah. go berserk. Yeah, we use the cat balls sometimes. They yeah. always disappear when I take them out on the tours. And we have the same, we have somebody disappear. in our podcast who's not here <laughs> yeah. who's scared of all that stuff. <laughs> and our cat balls disappear and I guarantee, Bruno, if you're listening, it's you. <laughs> Or the spirits are really, they're really yeah, on and they're taking your I mean, balls. it's, it's uh, actually when we did the investigation, uh, our deal with the lights happens upstairs, uh, the ceiling fan or the lights will come on and off. Uh-huh. And, and usually it just happens during the night or during the day. Well, when the investigation was going on, it went off, came back on, went off, came back on, and never done that before. So, uh-huh. it was, so I, our spirit is uh, affectionately known as Benjamin. Yeah. So there was some history done there, and there's a Benjamin involved. So We have a Walter, at least the spirit we call Walter here in town, that likes to go from all the different businesses and hide things. It likes your favorite things. It takes Dirk's uh, favorite hammer and hides it on him, won't find it for months, and all of a sudden he'll come in and he'll be sitting right there in front of him. Somebody told me that Yeah. last week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a friend down the street. She has a favorite pair. She makes jewelry. She has a favorite pair of pliers. Walter likes hiding her pliers on her all the time. And I've had other people in town that whenever we do stop the tour, if there's actually people in their shops, we say, hey, do you have anything you'd like to tell us about anything strange you've experienced? And lots of people talk about Walter. Yeah, Walter, so that's cool. I was told that by somebody. Um, the shop I'm going to do is right down the street, uh-huh. and they had they were working on it at one point in time, and they had the same that issue. Yeah. <laughs> that's so this, so the season's winding down for the tours yes. currently. So in the spring, what when when will you restart the tours? In as June. soon as it gets warm enough for me to go outside, because normally the first part of the year I start the tours until they pick up big enough to where I can get my guides in. I don't like to call people in if I can't afford to pay them. So. So let's talk about a couple of your other businesses. You mentioned your shop down the street. Yes, I have a shop called One of One Kind, of and it has a little bit of everything in it for everybody. It has a lot of handmade items and a lot of sculptures, carvings, uh, paintings, and then it has 
just about anything gift shop would normally have in it also. Nice. Yeah. So your other adventure here is you have the escape rooms. Yes, we have the Get a Clue escape rooms. Uh, they're based on Metamorph's history, too, because I really love history. So in one, you're going in and you're learning the details about the Charles Biddle murder case I told you about. And it's called the Barber Shop because, of course, he came back and made the barber change his appearance. Uh, the other one is called the Cobbler Shop because that was originally in the building. And we had a bunch of bank robberies in the... Uh, 1930, make sure, yeah, 1930s, and it's known that Metamore was one of the only towns in this area that wasn't robbed by John Dillinger, and I always say, but that doesn't mean it wasn't robbed. It was robbed in 1930, 1931, 1932, 1933, and George Leonard, the same bank manager, was on duty each time. Hmm. We think he was uh, in on it. Some of the town been, folk yeah. were hiding the cash, so your job in this escape room is to come in and find, find the missing cash, cash, solve the puzzles, and get out in an hour. Hey, we try I to I teach see, a little history I every week. That'd that. be an evening yeah, one night, yeah. yeah. So do you do that year-round? or you cut Yes, the okay. escape rooms are year-round. And then we have the lodge. The lodge is actually built to um, be anything from a couple spending a weekend away up to a family or a get-together. You know, if you've got a company coming in from out of town right now, well, we just got two new Japanese mats, which are a new addition, but it's comfortably sleeps eight people. It has five beds, which one is... Um, a twin with a trundle, and then two queen size and two full, or one full. And then it has a full living room and has a little mini kitchen where they can prepare and a full bathroom, and it's all private, and you're on your own floor all by yourself. Nice. You can find that on Airbnb. Yes, correct. it's on yeah. Airbnb, yeah. Dwayne, they don't have bunk beds. Sorry, buddy. No yeah, bunk thanks. I'm out. <laughs> well, you stack the trendle bed on top of the other one. <laughs> well, there's a whole story behind the bunk bed. We'll just leave that one I go. figured there was. <laughs> Oh, goodness, goodness. So for our listeners, we always like to tell them, you know, again, especially if you're in this region, you're in Cincinnati or Indianapolis, this is an easy, quick little drive out here. Yes, and, and it's uh, a great escape spend, from the city. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, to come spend a weekend, there's some great lodging right here in town. Yes, well, if yeah. they plan it early enough, they can get her Airbnb, get a ghost tour, yeah. do some shopping, and all, you know. And do all the in, escape rooms. And do the all escape room weekend. all in one little weekend <laughs> and right here in town. And you know, like she said, escape from the city, it's just... I mean, you come here and it's just a. I mean, you are a world away. Yes, you're you're no. right here, but you're a world away from everything else. Your internet, you have no internet, so you can almost turn your phone off. Unless here. you stay at my B and B, because I have the tower on top of my building and oh. I have internet. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have? Heaven wire or something? Yeah. 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 Okay, so the one place you can get internet is for <laughs> Airbnb. That's so. right. Come watch TV here. <laughs> Good deal. You guys got anything else for her? I know she's getting ready to do some tours tonight. Yeah, I've got it. You, um, a lot of people are interested in the pink house. Do you, does the tour oh, still yeah. go to the, the pink house? The tours do go to the Allison house. The Allison house is very interesting. It's one of the only stories on our tour that's more folklore than it is fact. I have looked into a lot of the facts. They match up with the folklore, but nothing that actually proves the folklore that we tell there. We do not go inside the gingerbread house except during private investigations when the town is not busy. I will not bring people into the gingerbread house uh, when we, they had too many problems. We did the tours in there for a couple of years, but they had problems with some teenagers that were breaking windows. Right. And yeah. yeah, it just wasn't worth it. So now the only time I ever go in there is during a private investigation when the town's empty so that no one else is seeing that the lights are on. And right. 
But yeah, I'm friends with the owners, and they allow me to do private investigations in there. So nice. has anything co- ever come to pass at that house, or any any experiences? Well, the folklore. Yeah, we have a lot of experiences. In fact, we believe Walter is their oldest son, Walter Allison, the f- the firstborn who actually would have survived a lot of the trauma that happened in that house. Um, and Walter watches over me. People have caught Walter on many tours. He usually shows himself as a shadow person, and he's usually 20 or 30 paces behind me in one direction or another. And I always get pictures after the tour. Did you see this? Doesn't this scare you? But we've asked Walter many times on our spirit sessions, you know, what are you doing? And he keeps answering. He's just there to protect me. Well, that's pretty so cool. Okay. We're not telling Ruben that, though. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had this all set up with Kat and Tom. We were going to do a Hanathon 2022 <laughs> next weekend. Uh-huh. Uh, Ruben, who was scared to death of spirits and ghosts, and we were going to put him in there and see how long he'd last. That's where I wrote all the tours. I would collect all the newspaper articles from the um, microfiche at the library, print everything off, and I would sit up in the cupola, and I would write for hours and hours and hours and hours. And that's where the handwriting would change because I'd write a few paragraphs and all of a sudden it'd be a completely different script. So have you kept? Have, do, you have, do you have still have the handwriting? Oh yeah, I, I have mean, all of it in files. I mean that you ought to put it, you ought to put that on display. That would be interesting. I'm still working on getting all the pictures on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, as soon as the tour is over, because we have the lodge and we do the exercise classes here, I, I take all this down and I put it back up in May, getting ready for the tours again. And hanging all these pictures and taking all this up and down is a little bit of work. Right. Yeah. I can imagine. But that is interesting, though, that you can see uh, a change in your writing. Oh, yeah. I mean, because generally, women's handwriting is usually very neat and it's very oh, yeah. precise. And going on. And my wife's, I can tell my mom's, I can tell mine. Mm-hmm. You can't, it looks like I'm yeah, you half can. the time, but that would be interesting just to see the change it, in it. It is interesting, yeah, because it was on a notebook paper and, it, yeah, it's definitely visible, very visible. <laughs> so, one last thing, as you talk about the history and you're doing research, where do you find the research i mean is it through library or just through the library through records uh thank goodness a lot of the right library is digital now but if you really really want to go back and find everything you have to go on the microfiche there is just no other way and it's time consuming but it's worth it so the county still has a lot of that in the library still yeah. still yeah. stored yep okay well, that's interesting pretty neat stuff yeah. so for our listeners you have one weekend left next weekend because uh, our podcast comes out on Sunday, so you have next weekend. Get down to Metamore, Indiana. It's just not the haunted tours. They do the haunted trail here. Uh, they'll do trick or treat here on Saturday, Saturday night. Got the haunted train still running like next week too, won't it? Uh, I believe so. I believe so, yes. so. Yeah. So you got you can ride down from Connorsville. It starts in Connorsville. You well, ride down. The haunted train is from here. Starts yes. here. Yeah. Okay. It's just train's short. different. Okay. Yeah, it actually goes that way. <laughs> so. Well, good deal. Good deal. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you, guys. We really appreciate it. So for Cross the Line 1524, I'm Alan Stanger with... Dwayne Bischoff. Jeff Montag. Scotty Bourbon. And our very special guest... Kathy Debbie. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Gilman Home Centers with 15 locations and growing, and it's the fall of the year. That's right. 
You may need some leaf rakes or maybe leaf bags. Or maybe it's time to split that pile of wood and you need to rent a log splitter because you know what? The winters are coming. Are you a hunter? Gilman Home Centers also offers hunting licenses along with fishing licenses. That's right. Gilman's Home Centers, your one-stop shop for all your home improvement needs. It's time to talk about one of our favorite sponsors, Batesville Liquor Co. in Batesville, Indiana. They've got whatever you need for your fall warm-up drinks. That's right. Whether you're looking for a ready-to-drink cocktail, a mixer for your cocktails, a fine bourbon, a vodka, a rum, a gin, whatever you need, they have. Some of the things they've got there now, of course, you heard our podcast several weeks ago with Wally Dant. Uh, so all the Monks Road products are there, which is awesome, as well as their new Tennessee whiskey, Rattle and Snap. Go get you some. The official premium cocktail of the Cincinnati Bengals, Canvas. They've got it. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail, uh, raspberry lemonade, cucumber jalapeno, bourbon lemon spice, and bourbon mule. It comes in a variety pack, all four of those flavors. Grab you some, sit down on a Sunday, and watch the Bengals. And back in from Crown Royal, they have their salted caramel Crown Royal whiskey. You know, you need a little crown every now and then. It's time to start prepping for the holidays as well. They got McAfee's Benchmark, old number eight brand, eggnog. That's right, get your eggnog on. And if you're into Smirnoff, they have the Red, White, and Merry Smirnoff Ice Holiday Punch. That's a good way to spike the punch bowl. Batesville Liquor Co. in Batesville, Indiana, and Tebby Liquor in Brookville, Indiana. Batesville Liquor Co.'s located at 315 Shopping Village in Batesville, Indiana, and Tebby Liquor is on Main Street in Brookville, Indiana. Tell them the Cross the Line 1524 crew sent you. Cheers. Since it's the Halloween weekend, we only thought it proper to revisit the origins of Halloween. Enjoy. Who's dancing? I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an So we're going to talk about one of our fa- one of my favorite holidays. Christmas is my favorite. Uh, hey, 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 oh, hey, 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 Table 12 just, just stole our bottle. Stole the bottle. <laughs> what the? Be careful, they might steal the podcast before it's over. Yeah. But coming up, we have the holiday of... Halloween. Halloween. So does anybody want to take a stab at how the Halloween started? Holiday of Halloween, it started. Any guesses? I knew this this once upon a time, but I'm going to give up. Dwayne? I I actually did a little research. Oh, he's looking. He's looking. (laughs) No, I had it on my phone, but it was actually in um, uh, the Irish started it. And I was reading briefly on it. We didn't get our homework assignment until late, and I was busy, so I didn't get to spend a lot of time on it. Um, but I do know it was Ireland started it, and there's a lot more into it than yeah, what I and, thought. And I'm, i got to take a break because all my stuff on Halloween is in my truck. I'll be <laughs> right back. All right. Here at the Speakeasy, it's the We're, we're back here. Celtics. We're talking about the origins of Halloween. So Halloween is when? October 31st every year. That's right. 
And it used to be growing up, we went trick or treat on, on October 31st. We didn't go the 30th, That's the right. 28th. That's right. We didn't. It didn't matter if it was a Monday, a Sunday, a Tuesday, or Wednesday. That's Rain, snow, or whatever. Yeah. That's when we trick or treated. That's right. Not and there wasn't trunk or treat. No. It was trick or treat. Oh, yeah, Thank now it's you. scheduled. I get tired of that. All right. Thank you. So the and there was a lot more tricking going on back then. Yeah, there was. That's, that's what that's made another, it a treat. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> so. The, the tradition started. We're probably safe, aren't we? Probably. The tradition or, or originated in the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. People would like bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts. In the eighth century, Pope Gregory the Third designated November first as All Saints Day. Yeah. All Saints incorporated some of the traditions of the Samhain. Uh, the evening before, and it was known as All Hallows' Eve, and later Halloween. Over time, Halloween evolved to a day of activities like trick-or-treating, caving jack, carving jack-o'-lanterns. We've had too many whiskey tastings. It's okay, brother. <laughs> Festive gatherings, donning costumes, and eating treats. So the ancient origins, the Celtic festival of Samhain, actually pronounced Samhain, um, was 2,000 years ago, mostly in the area that now is Ireland. The United Kingdom and Northern France. So it was in conjunction with the new year, which started on November 1st. So we'll skip some of this stuff. It gets, it talks about the droids and not the droids. The, the droids? Droids. Yes. droids. We don't That's like right. droids. Droids were ruling 2,000 years ago. Droids. So, I mean, this goes Druids. Yeah, so. It's droids. Alan said it, so it's droids. So in 43 AD, the Roman Empire conquered the Celtic territories. So now it was all combined into a Celtic celebration. Um, all Saints Day, actually, it all the whole All Saints thing started back May thirteenth, uh, six oh nine A.D. by Pope Boniface the Fourth. That's okay. old stuff there. So I'm so just going to say it right. Not, I'm going to say it right here, right now. I've just learned more about Halloween than I really cared to know. Yeah. <laughs> And this isn't just this isn't just your drinking bourbon show. This no. is an education. Yeah, okay. okay. So the celebration in ha- uh, for Halloween was limited in colonial New England because of the rigid Protestant belief system there. That's much more common in Maryland. This is after the colonies came over. You know, mm-hmm. started colonies. Yep. Right. Uh, uh, here's a little known fact. We're just going to stick in there. Did you know? More people, especially millennials, are buying costumes for their pets. <laughs> I, I do know that because so 20, that's a whole and other 20, story. In 2018, 20% of millennials bought costumes for their pets. So let me ask you something. When you were kids, did you ever buy a costume for any of your pets? Absolutely no. not. No. <laughs> no. Just curious. No. No, we have a... A $2.5 billion dollar enterprise now, right? So, uh, <laughs> oh, think about it. Trick-or-treating, when do you think that started? 1943. Late 1800s. You're, you're close, though. I was getting... You're I, a, I'm doing the cliff notes here. Hey, you were a couple thousand years ago, say, so I'm... Yeah. I'm you, were inside a, of a, you were inside of a hundred years. Hey, that was pretty good. That's when you started trick-or-treating. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I am the youthful exuberance of this spot. Exuberance. What are some of you guys' good Halloween memories growing up? I mean, I'd have some. Well, you're. Th- oh, I have some good ones. Yeah. I mean, my. I have a very simple one, and, and I was thinking about this on the way down here, actually, because 
where we grew up on 46, there wasn't, I mean, our houses weren't very close. So we did, you know, you go to the neighbors, but down the street from us was my cross the street neighbors, mom and dad. And when we were kids, we'd ride down the hill and my neighbor's dad always sat at the window. And even in the summertime, we'd ride down the hill and just coast up to the window and chat with him and, and then go on our way. Well, you know, trick or treating come and they were elderly. So didn't have a lot of visitors and so that was our point you know mom would always say hey make sure you go down go down to the Norbeck so we'd go down there well then my brothers were all getting older there was a couple years where my mom and Kai kind of you know got something dressed up just to go down there right because it meant as much to them it does as it did to me and I didn't care what I got because like I said we'd go down there in the summer you know if it was a nice day and his windows open we'd ride down the hill hey you know what you doing just chat for a minute and then off we'd go back doing whatever we were doing so I mean that's a I mean that's a memory that stuck for a long time and like I said it meant as much or more to them than it did to us it's a great memory you know right Jeff how about you the rest were illegal I don't know if I have a particular one. I mean, again, uh, where I grew up, I had to go to, you know, Brookville to trick or treat. There wasn't any trick or treating out where I lived. Right. And uh, and uh, when I was younger, our church, along kind of paired up with a couple other churches, and they would have a, a Halloween party for the kids yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, one in particular, I was probably six or seven. My oldest brother Joe was in in uh, in the army uh, during Vietnam. And he happened to be home, but not, and the, fa- the family knew he was home, but no, none of the neighbors or anything knew he was home. So he he came to the church Halloween party as a cardboard box. So <laughs> that's Joe. So, now listen, yeah, it was a cardboard box, and I knew he was in there. And so there's this box like walking around the room. Now you can imagine he's in a squat inside this box. And you can see a flashlight, like, on the shining out from under. So if you know my brother Joe, he always had a book. So he's at the Halloween party in this box, in a squat, reading, reading a book. A book. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's until, no, what else do you the, do in a box by yourself? <laughs> well, if you, like I said, if you're like him, you always had a book. So, so anyway, I, re- I remember that. But, yeah, I mean... Um, some good Halloween parties, and then you know when we were teenagers and stuff, some good, uh, good haunted houses that uh, that we went to. So the cat ball um, just went off next to the So I didn't see it. Yep. yep. Hey Benjamin. So that's that's kind of it for me. It's nothing nothing super specific, but that's cool. Yeah. Now, and especially since I know Joe, I just can see that. And just in there reading the book while he's walking around. <laughs> yeah. That's just funny. Yeah. Mike, how about you? I mean, I have. Vague memories early on that were fun. After that, in high school, man, I still probably can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Statue of limitations. We'll just let that at that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm kind of with you on a few of those too. Yeah. Ruben. <laughs> well, I, you know, I remember uh, Halloween as a kid being the only time of the year we really got anything from candy and stuff. We didn't get a lot. Uh, so, you know, I, I, what I missed about is I grew up in a small town of Cedar Grove, outside of Cedar Grove, which is very small. And, and uh, I remember I always liked the places where you go where the people actually made you come in and you had to either bob for apples or get uh, corn balls or, or something like that, caramel. 
And I remember, you know, certain families that always gave us the same thing. In fact, there's still a family in Cedar Grove. And before we take the grand or grandkids out, I always stop there because they always make the caramel corn balls, right? And a uh, family since I was a kid. But you, you know, that was the way it was when I was a when I was a kid. And I grew up in somewhat, you know, mediocre means and stuff. So you didn't get a lot. But I remember times at trick or treating in Brookville as a kid. We would take pillowcases and be full. No, oh, yeah. Completely yeah. full oh, yeah. of candy. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you yeah. remember those days, and then you go back and go, God, we, that was so much fun back then, right? Yeah. So now, I mean, we trick or treat when, like, my son lives in town. So we all go to his house and, like, trick or treat is like a party, right? We sit up on the couch, we put tables out, and we get out stuff. But in the little town of Cedar Grove, is like adult trick or treat. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you can take your kids around adult trick or treat or trick or treat in the Cedar Grove. And in almost all the houses, they have a table set up with chili and hot dogs and adult beverages and for everybody yeah. and for the yeah. kids. And it's a great time. And uh, so I always call Cedar Grove the adult trick or treat town. It's a good time. But Didn't I remember that. some of those days. Yeah. It's a lot of good times. But uh, yeah, it's good That's stuff, awesome. though. Yeah. So I grew up in Logan. And at the time, when I grew up there, there wasn't much there. And, you know, we go to a couple houses next door to go trick or treating. But one year, uh, the folks that lived a couple houses down stopped and they had a couple kids older than me and said, hey, we're going to take you trick-or-treating. So they had just opened a subdivision up in Bright, Indiana. The lone subdivision at the time in Bright, Indiana. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. So we went trick-or-treating and I'll never forget, I mean, I had like a, a pillowcase full right. of candy. I think it took me like two months to eat it all. Oh, yeah. But right. I mean, that was just... And then I think when I got older, it was uh, when I took my kids trick-or-treating to see you yeah, know right. that was a big deal uh you know to see them get dressed up go get the candy you know then sort through the candy and and I had two boys so some of them like this candy but not this and they'd swap candies back and yeah, forth and right. i'd find it you know behind the bed about july the stuff that I hadn't gotten <laughs> eaten <laughs> but it's all it was all good it was all good so you know it's funny you know, Alan, you remember those days, and I remember those days, but kids don't get to experience that. You know, you made it a point, like Dwayne said, you made it a point to go see certain people. Right. And you really did. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm going down to the Richmond family because, you know, I know they're giving popcorn balls. Right. right. Or they're right. making car- real right. caramel right. apples. Right. Car- When's apples. the last time you guys had a real caramel apple? Oh, it's been forever. I remember when they came out with those, and I think they still have them, the wraps yeah, you the could put wraps. around them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Them. I mean, yeah. that was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. My, my, aunt, my Aunt Betty down the other way on the street always made homemade carameled apples yes. so i mean we made sure you went down that way because usually there wasn't a lot of kids going around and she made way too many so we'd usually get more than right. one so yeah that was one of them you always made sure you went down to harry hurst but now i mean who the as sad as the world is, is you don't trust it anymore right you know is yeah. it safe yeah. you know you don't now then you knew everybody that you either were related to them or you knew them and it you was know, a lot uh, safer. You could. We had Alan mentioned at the beginning of this that trick or treat is supposed to be on the Halloween night, right? Yes. <laughs> I remember a few years back. I'll let you guys do it not, but the, the town of Brookville, a certain subdivision, said that they're not going to do that. They're going to have trick or treat on their own night. Well, <laughs> that got around everybody, and that subdivision got bombarded Bomb. oh. for trick or treats. And uh, yeah, I, I mean bombarded bad because they were only going to have their own trick-or-treat the only one their own kids they didn't want anybody else coming and guess what everybody showed up and uh it's, it was pretty funny but the trick-or-treat if you did it all one night it's supposed to be on halloween it's supposed to be fun adults supposed to be involved and you should have a good time rain snow whatever didn't matter yeah, that's yeah. right it didn't matter i love it 
Well, good deal. Good deal. You know, it just it's you gotta have fun like that. You gotta That's have right. fun like you that. You do. <laughs> so we're gonna when we come back, we're taking a short break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about the origin of jack o' lanterns. Guys, remember Bibles carving pumpkins? Oh yeah, great time. So we're gonna talk about that when we get back. Across the line, fifteen twenty-four. Y'all, so here's Big Bubba again. I'd like to tell you about one of our other services we offer. It's the Big Bubba's Ghost Busting Services. That's right. You might have a wayfaring spirit, maybe some poltergeist flying around, maybe just a green slimy ball, and you need to get rid of it. Just give us a call. We'll get our pitchforks, our scoop shovels, throw the cattle racks on the truck, and we'll take care of it for you. We actually just bought some new equipment straight off of eBay. We got us one of them there proton packs, along with a mini ecto containment unit. We're not quite sure how to use those yet, but we were told if you have those, you ain't ever afraid of no ghosts. That's right. Give us a call. Big Bubba's Ghost Hunting Services. Big Bubba's Ghost Hunting Services. Not licensed in the United States? Please make sure you sign all the waivers and forms. Good luck. So we're back here with Cross the Line 1524. I'm Alan Stanger with Dwayne Bischoff, Jeff Montag, Ruben Hunt, Mike Gardner. And we're talking Halloween and we're going to talk about the origin of jack-o'-lanterns. I mean, that was that was the, always the all the fun thing too. Oh yeah. And it was fun when I was a kid and even more fun when I was an adult and helping my kids carve them out, you know. Yeah. It's so any guesses of where the origins and I know Dwayne's looking on his phone right now. Origins Cheater. of jack-o'-lanterns. <laughs> Uh, you're allowed to cheat on this one. The practice of decorating jack-o'-lanterns originated in Ireland, where large turnips and potatoes served as the early canvases. In fact, the name jack-o'-lantern comes from an Irish folktale about a man named Stingy Jack. How about that? Huh. Stingy Jack. Stingy Jack. I don't want to tell you the story about Stingy uh, Jack. I was going to say, what I want to know Steve more do? about Stingy Jack. Stingy. Stingy. Stingy Jack. Stingy. The legend of Stingy Jack. Not like Billy Jack. That sounds Stingy like a Jack. <laughs> no hat required. There you go. People have been making jack-o'-lanterns at Halloween for centuries. The pra- practice originated from an Irish myth about a man nicknamed Stingy Jack. According to the story, Stingy Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. True to his name, Stingy Jack didn't want to pay for his drink, so he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin that Jack could use to buy the drink. Once the devil did so, Jack decided to keep the money and put it in his pocket next to a silver cross, which pre- which prevented the devil from changing back into his original form. So he stayed He's a pretty smart. Pretty smart. Jack eventually freed the devil under the condition that he would not bother Jack for one year, and that should Jack die, he would not claim his soul. The next year, Jack again tricked the devil into climbing into a tree to pick a piece of fruit. 
While he was in the tree, Jack carved a sign of the cross on the tree's bark so the devil could not come down until the devil promised Jack not to bother him for another ten more years. Wow. That's pretty There's smart more. Guy. There's more. Soon after, though, Jack died. As the legend goes, God would not allow such an unsavory figure into heaven. The devil, upset by the tricks Jack had played on him and keeping his word not to claim his soul, would not allow Jack into hell. So he sent Jack off into the dark night with only a burning coal to light his way. Jack put the coal in a carved-out turnip and has been roaming the earth ever since. The Irish began to refer to this ghostly figure as Jack of the Lantern and then simply Jack of Lantern. That's nice. how it all got started. That's a great story. Yeah. yeah. So who would have thought, you know? So don't, don't you know? That's de- a, no, it's a great story. God wouldn't let him in. The devil wasn't allowed to. You know, that should be told to a lot of the youth today so they would understand what that is. I think it's a great That's story. That's pretty cool. It pretty is cool. Pretty, it is. You've been listening to Cross the Line 1524 with all the guys, whether we're at the Rusted Nail Speakeasy out on the road. You know we always have a great time. Hey, check out our webpage at www.crossthline1524.com We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Check out Podcast 1524 on Twitter and cross the line 15 slash 24 on Facebook. Give me one before you kick me out the door.